hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Bitcoin move over. You are so last year. If you've turned on your TV to one of the financial channels over the last week or so, you're probably aware of the latest must-have investments. Pot stocks. Let me start with the conclusion here. Unless you want to see your money do a Cheech and Chong and go up in smoke, I'd sit this one out. The darling of the bunch, or at least the one that's getting the most pressed here the last couple of weeks, has been a company called Tilray, symbol T-L-R-Y. Hopefully you won't use that. Tilroy, just over the last two months, has been a $25 stock, a $50 stock, a $100 stock. And over the last two weeks, it's been at 90 on its way to 300 on its way back to 115. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a commentary on the companies or their businesses. It's to point out that at times, the market can be extremely irrational. Tilray, if you're not familiar, is a Canadian cannabis company. For some reason, they don't like to call it marijuana anymore. Anyhow, the big deal is that Canada is legalizing recreational pot use in October. And they're only the second country to do so after Uruguay. And this seemingly opens up a plethora of opportunities for these cannabis companies. There's been a good amount of interest in these business, especially from the drink sector. Constellation Brands, the maker of Corona, they're spending nearly $4 billion in an investment in another cannabis producer, Canopy. Diageo. Well, they're talking to a whole bunch of people and Molson Coors is starting a joint venture, no pun intended, to develop cannabis drinks in Canada. Back to Tilray. It's very hard to give you numbers with any accuracy because the price is either doubled or half at any given moment. But I will say that revenues, not profit, revenues, Revenues this year are projected to be about $43 million. And with legalization, well, they jump to an estimated $160 million next year. At one point, the market was assigning this company a better than $50 billion market cap on $43 million in revenue. Not earnings, revenue. $43 in revenue. By way of comparison, Let's call on Clorox to help us out. Symbol CLX. You know Clorox. They make all those cleaning uh, products, the bleaches, the wipes. But they also own Glad Bags and Kingsford Barbecues, Burt's Bees, and a whole bunch of other stuff. At one point, the market was valuing Tilray higher than they were Clorox at about $50 billion. Now, Clorox has $6 billion in revenue versus the $43 million for uh, Tilray. Part of this dynamic is supply and demand related. There aren't that many of Tilray shares to be had, which, of course, will make it more volatile. But that's just a crazy valuation for for a company that produces a commodity. There's nothing unique about their product. There's no barrier to entry here. As a matter of fact, the good people of Canada 
can start growing pot in their backyards. But back to the start with the conclusion. Unless you want to see your money do a Cheech and Chong and go up in smoke, I'd sit this one out. Thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman. So glad you could join me today. I'm going to be answering a couple of questions that I've gotten over the last couple of weeks. But before I get to those, I want to talk about the change in season and what it means to you. This past Saturday was the first day of fall, the day of perfect balance between night and day. But it also means that many of us are going to start receiving these emails from our employers regarding open enrollment. Now, it's not unusual for these emails to, well, be disregarded, at least until the very last minute, because, well, we're busy. We got other stuff to do. We got this project that's due. Then we frantically race through our benefit options, basically checking off whatever we signed up for last year without much regard for anything else. Let me suggest you do a little extra planning this year. Many companies offer benefit options to their employees that go beyond the traditional health and saving options, which of course are really important. But if you do just a little extra planning, just a little, you may find that you can take advantage of discounted services and savings vehicles that reduce your taxable income or just outright save you money. That's, uh, there's no right choice or standard option here. It just depends on your situation. So you are going to have to do some work. Let me start with the savings part of it. If you have an employer-sponsored savings plan, like a 401k or a 403b, make sure you use it at least up to the amount of the company match. If there is a match, that's just free money. Someone wants to give you free money. My advice is take it. That's just common sense. For those of you who are further along in your careers, you may be trying to max out your contributions. If you're over 50, they even bump up the amount that you can put in your 401k, the catch-up provision. If you're younger and just starting out, trying to max out your 401k may not be the best strategy for you. If you're just getting started, you may not want to be doing all your savings into your work plan. You want to think about having some balance between tax deferred and taxable. I imagine at some point you'll want to buy a house or maybe an emergency comes up and you want to have some money that you can get a hold of and not have to dip into your retirement savings. Retirement savings should be for retirement. You got it. I also, I'll also say if your employer offers a 401k, a Roth 401k, you may want to look at using that. You might have a flexible savings account option, the FSA. These allow you the opportunity to use pre-tax dollars for certain expenses. Usually there's a variety to choose, uh, to choose from, uh, you know, healthcare savings being one of them. In order to be eligible for an HSA, you have to enroll in a high deductible healthcare plan. But you may have an option for a dependent care plan, think, think daycare here. If you have the need for this option, you could reduce the cost of care significantly through tax savings. Most of us hate thinking about it, but insurance, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. 
I want you also to consider your disability coverage. Do you know that one in three working Americans will become disabled for 90 days or more before the age of 65? That's why I think it's important to consider some type of coverage to backstop you against lost wages. Typically, an employer will sponsor the short-term coverage, which lasts up to 90 days. But look at the supplemental long-term coverage. That's what kicks in after 90 days. We can't cover every option here. So you really have to take some time and look at what's being offered to you. For example, your typical long-term disability benefit is only equal to 60% of your benefit compensation. And only you can determine what's right for you. Life insurance is usually another benefit. Typically, coverage is about one times your annual salary. And for those of you with families, well, that may not be enough. Sometimes your employer has the option of increasing the coverage without underwriting and at a reduced rate. Taking advantage of these uh, options could be cost effective for you. There could be a whole bunch of other benefits offered like long-term care, legal services, identity theft insurance, wellness programs. My point is that instead of ignoring that email until you can anymore, do some planning. It could be time well spent. It's time for me to step away. And when we come back, we'll answer a couple of questions that we've gotten over the last few weeks. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. We are back in a moment. You've worked hard, you've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. If you have a question for the show, well, drop us a line. You can email us at podcast, which is plural, podcast at xmlfg.com. And I've gotten a few questions over the last couple of weeks. So we're going to answer those today. The first one was on housing stocks. And basically the question is, are they still worth it? You know, they've come down since the beginning of the year after a remarkable run up late last year. And they're still ahead on a 12 month, uh, a trailing 12 month basis. But basically We've seen the housing-related data come in slightly weaker than anticipated lately. But I think the softness is transitory, and the underlying fundamentals, well, they still look pretty solid to me. On the demand side of things, first-time home buyers still make up only a third of total home sales, and home ownership is near generational lows. When I think about this, it tells me that there's pent up demand. In fact, the percentage of 18 to 34 year olds that live with their parents remains close to 32%. That's a multi-decade high. A lot of folks living at home with their parents. You'd think that that would be really tough when you're dating. But 
household form- formation is still running higher than home supply, meaning demand could very well outstrip supply. According to my Econ 101 professor, when demand is greater than supply, prices go up. I know affordability is taking a hit because of home prices already rising and interest rates going up. But as long as job certainty remains intact and wage growth picks up steam, which I think it will, then I doubt that the housing market will suffer a relapse. One of the things I look at here is lumber prices because that's a major cost for the builders. Lumber prices went on a tear starting back in January, going from around $400 to $600. And that's an increase of about 50%. But since around the beginning of June, prices have fallen back, fallen back dramatically. And now they're below where they were at the start of the year. In other words, the cost of one of the builder's main inputs has fallen dramatically. On top of that, The latest Fed senior loan officer survey showed that demand for residential loans moved higher and the bankers are, well, they remain willing to extend credit. The implication being that new home prices will likely accelerate in the coming months. When I put all this together, I think the home builders are a buy, especially in light of their recent pullback. For longtime listeners, you know my favorite of the bunch is DR Horton, which is symbol DHI. Under $42, that is. I own it, but you have to do your own research. Another group, another question was the energy stocks. They got hit here recently and have kind of bounced back. Yeah, they got pushed back on their heels and they've recovered nicely. I'd stay with them, mainly because I think the price of oil continues to move higher. I say that because I think the loss of Iranian exports are happening faster and sooner than anyone expected. And Venezuela, well, they remain on the brink of collapse. The U.S., Russia, and the Saudis, they're all saying that they can raise production over the next 18 months to compensate for the losses of the exports from Iran and from Venezuela and, of course, any other unplanned outages like a hurricane or what have you. But covering a supply shortfall in 18 months doesn't do the market much good over the next couple of months, particularly with demand being so so robust and current inventories falling. My guess is that the environment remains fairly supportive for oil prices and the odds of an oil price spike actually have risen because of Iran and Venezuela. Now, that's not my base case, but I continue to be a believer in the energy stocks. Last week, I talked about the automakers. In case you missed it, my favorite of the bunch there is Fiat Chrysler, symbol FCAU. If you can get it to close, if you can buy it close to $17, well, I think you should consider it. You might want to go back and listen to that show. That's about all we have time for this week. We'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow.
Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.